0: episode of the Legal Technology Review podcast discussing the latest tools and technology for legal professionals. I'm your host, Brian Folk, civil litigator and author of The Cyber Advocate. And joining me today is someone who knows a whole lot more about today's topic than I do, uh, Mr. Ben Strawinski. Ben, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, last week, the show Mad Men, the, the uh, AMC drama portraying the smoke-filled, whiskey-soaked, golden age of advertising, came to a conclusion. And at the very end of the last episode, they, it was 1970, uh, and they showed the classic Coca-Cola ad. Did you see that? No, nah, spoiler <laughs> alert. Well, it's, I, mean, it, I, I would hope that that wouldn't spoil too much for you. It's the Macbeth ending. Everyone dies. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> Now, I thought to myself, that aired you know, 10 years before I was born, and I've never seen that ad before. Recognized the Coke brand right away. And it's the same thing with, you know, any, anyone can play the, uh, the Mean Joe ad. Thanks, Mean Joe. You know, it's grab a Coke and a smile. It's it, you, it's it's a and a Coke is a brand you recognize, and it seems to most people a brand is you know it's a logo, but a brand is more than just a logo. Sure is. So now, what does it mean to you to have for to have an, an effective brand?
1: Well, for what we do, a brand is a number of different things, and and really the goal of whenever we're working with a company or an individual to help build their brand, it's about helping a customer understand why them versus everyone else, what's different about them, what's better about them, what makes that company, what makes that person unique to be the answer for a specific niche or a specific group or a specific need that any particular customer or client might have. Uh, so we do that in a couple of different ways. Uh, you want to just jump into some of the different things that we do?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so like you, you described, logos as a as a big part of it. We kind of think of logos as maybe a cornerstone of that brand. It's a it's a representation of maybe a visual identity, or an overall image that that brand is trying to project. But really, visual identity is a lot of different things. It can be uh, it can be textures, it can be colors, it can be repeated messaging that you see over and over. That's basically what, you know, it's about saying who you are, showing who you are in a couple of different ways uh, through some of those those textures, colors, uh, the look and feel. That's really how you establish. To a certain extent, uh, you can
0: project quality and you can project attitude through uh, these visual cues that you put out. One of the funny things in uh, practicing law is, is lawyers, we, we tend to be pretty bad at advertising. Now, A lot of people don't really understand that there's a reason for that, and that's because if you know that whole golden age of advertising thing that uh, Mad Men deals with, that ended in 1970. The Supreme Court decision, Bates v. the uh, State Bar of Arizona, which actually gave lawyers the right to advertise, didn't happen until 1977, so we kind of missed out on that whole golden age thing. Um, But I think most law firms are starting to recognize that successful advertising is actually becoming important. It's no longer you know something that you are able to just ignore uh, yeah. and that you need to stand out. But I think, unfortunately, most just don't necessarily know or understand a way of doing that. Would you say that effective branding is probably the most important place to start? Well, I think so. I
1: think it's... Part part of branding is getting to know who you are, what your firm represents, not just like the kinds of clients that you take on, but again, the values that you have, uh, the kinds of images that you want to project, really the attitude that you want your clients to take away or your potential clients to take away from any interaction that they have with your brand. You want to come across as authentic. You want to come across as, you know, someone obviously professional and and that you're going to provide a quality service. But... Gosh, I mean, there's so much more than that. You could be, you could be fun and quirky. You could be uh, very tech-focused like yourself. I mean, you've got a lot of different ways that you could project uh, some different ideas about who it is you are and, and how you want to position yourself. And that kind of gets to, uh, you know, one of the things that we work with our clients on is what is different about them. What unique qualities do they have in their, in their firm or in their business that separates them from everyone else? Because really, I mean, why would anyone pay a premium to work with your company if they can you know, go down the street and find someone else that's willing to do the same thing cheaper? Well, that's where a brand comes in. It's about saying, we're the answer, and here's why we're the answer. You're not gonna get everyone that way. But what you will do is you'll get an energized base that understands that maybe you know you're a little bit different or you're priced a little bit differently, but in the end, they have a certain expectation then and they understand that you're the company to deliver it because you're not this other company that's just competing on a you know on a dollar basis or on a, you know, let's do a price war and see if we can win that. It's about saying, this is us, this is our story. Here's how we're different and here's what's better about us than everyone else.
0: So it strikes me that there's there's two different levels to branding. The the first level is simply being recognized. Now if you see a commercial for a random company, you're going to remember the name of that company for well goldfish length, 11 seconds following the the ad if it's not a successful brand because you won't remember them. And so the, it seems the first step is creating a creating something that that People af- associate with you
1: well, and I think to, to tangent off
0: of that, uh, one of the exercises
1: that I do uh, in my public speaking and in, with my clients is I show them samples of advertising uh, with the logos removed and with certain cues removed, and it's amazing how you can still pick up on what that brand is, and that's because it's consistent across the board with what these uh, you know other ads and other things that the companies put out, uh, and they're they're very good about creating again, a visual identity that's not just a logo, but its colors and textures and its layouts and its language, its ways of saying certain things. It's one good example that I, I kind of come back to is Target's very good at creating sort of boutique brands, right, that sit inside its ecosystem. Uh, well, what's great about Target is that when you look at a Target ad, you can even take out the color red from that ad. And because they use chalk, you know, kind of fonts, they use things like only at or exclusive, like words like exclusively at. They make it feel very homey, you know, very comforting to to connect with those brands. Uh, and you can really tell that that's part of Target's overall market. They want the customer that isn't necessarily going to every organic shop on the block, but they do shop organic. They do shop uh, for certain kinds of products and certain, you know, they have that sort of mindset. And so when you look at their store brands, the way that they appeal to customers is by having some of that messaging and some of that look and feel, the chalkboard, the The rough, handmade, crafty kind of feel uh, in their advertising as well.
0: That's an interesting segue into the second component to me of of branding, which would be the difference between, I guess, what you'd process as a brand and a name brand. I'm talking to you right now on an Apple laptop, my MacBook Pro, and I spent more money on this than (laughs) my good friend Ryan and our Co-producer, of this broadcast would ever spend on a laptop, and he makes fun of me all the time for it. But part of <laughs> that is part of that is a brand name loyalty, and so you've got a recognition, and then you've got a, a loyalty factor that goes along with that as well.
1: That's that's another exercise I like to take my clients through, which is if you look at an equivalent model of a laptop, like maybe from ASUS or something like that, to what Apple is selling, uh, you can get three times the computer for or. or to put it another way, I guess you can take uh, an Apple machine and you can pay three times as much for that Apple machine as the equivalent PC.
0: Right. The same, tech, um, the t- the same tech specs. Yeah, know, basically.
1: Around. But in the end, what, what's happened is Apple has created this mindset in their customers. They've advertised consistently on on lifestyle, on creativity, on individuality, on thinking differently, on thinking more intelligently. Uh, and so what that does is it energizes their base. It gets them excited. It makes them feel like, yeah, the Apple product is what's going to solve my problem. Yeah, you know, I'm to pay a little more. But customers, this, this is something that we talk to our clients about too, which is that customers don't always care about price. Price is important, but you'll never win a price war because someone's always going to do it cheaper than you are. Maybe not immediately, but as soon as they pick up on what you're doing, they'll find a way to do it cheaper. So the alternative is to build a brand And something that has value something that resonates with a customer and you won't get everyone but you'll get that fan base that is energized and loyal to what you're doing and interested enough to pay that premium price and that's how apple makes their brand so compelling is that they send these messages out they reflect it in everything they do from the design of their product to the design of their stores the glass finish and the the metal finish the fact that they call their tech support a genius bar, you know, things like that, that are cues to this audience that say, okay, this is a brand that I can connect with. This resonates with me because I'm a smart person, I'm a creative person. Uh, I need that to be reflected in my choice in technology. So I'm going to pay that premium for something that uh, I know is going to work, which actually kind of brings me to the third thing that we look at, uh, which is customer experience. Apple delivers over and over again. They've had very few faulty product launches, and if you are an Apple uh, I guess evangelist, you probably know that you know you can use that Apple machine for a long time, you're not going to run into problems with it.
0: Things just work. Right now we're talking branding with uh, our marketing and branding expert, Mr. Uh, ben Sewinsky of Satellite Six. We're talking about the importance of branding for law firms, and we will be right back.) You're listening to the Legal Technology Review on The Cyber Advocate. The show is powered by B&R Concepts for all of your law firm's IT and technology needs. Don't forget to follow all the latest on technology and tools for legal professionals at www.thecyberadvocate.com. We're back discussing why it's important for law firms to have effective brands or effective branding. With uh, Ben Strawinski, a marketing consultant and guru on all things branding—at least that's you know what I'm sure his website would, he'd like his website to say—owner of Satellite Six, a creative production and brand marketing company in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Ben, tell me more about Satellite Six. How'd you uh, start this company? And
1: sure. Uh, well, I've been interested in design for a long time, at least since you know middle school, high school very interested in illustration and design and how all those things come together. In college, I actually went to college for communications. uh, And what was great about that is I learned a lot about advertising and marketing and visual identities and visual communication and finding ways to take imagery and good design and make that communicate with an audience, right? And so in my early professional career, I certainly worked as a web developer and web designer and found ways to create good experiences on the web. Big goals being to reach conversions well when we could take that idea and adapt it to a whole brand well gosh that was that was really exciting um so i was a i was a designer for a while i did some marketing or as a marketing director for a company for, for a brief period and then uh, i kind of looked at a way that i could you know fit into a niche here and uh i live in eau claire wisconsin although we serve clients all over the u.s primarily in the midwest but an opportunity came up where i could uh kind of take that love of design and love of communication and merge the two together and say, well, now let's create a brand organization that's about helping companies reach their potential uh, and finding ways to really raise the stakes and help grow those companies that maybe have plateaued on maybe a design that's not working or some inconsistencies in their,
0: their customer experience or their branding. Uh, and it's gone. Uh, it's gone quite well. And I understand you've uh, you you have received some recognition for the uh, the quality of work here. You do at Satellite Six.
1: Oh well, yeah, we've, we've won a number of design awards for for brand work and for design work, uh, both on the web and in print, uh, and for overall concepts. So it's been quite exciting. We've been in business now four years. What's the uh, What's the one you're most proud of? Um, I think a couple years ago, we uh, won several awards for uh, Gold Color Careers and Marketing, or I'm sorry, Manufacturing Works, which is a, it's a, a school and manufacturing organization out of Menominee, Wisconsin, and their mission is to help students find manufacturing as a viable career path. Uh, manufacturing is big in this part of Wisconsin. And so to, to be able to get involved with that group and help parents, uh, teachers, Counselors, manufacturers, and students all get on the same page uh, with what they were doing uh, in order to really energize these kids and connect with that next generation of of manufacturing. and And let's let's face it like it's not old school manufacturing. This is like high tech, you know, robotics kind of manufacturing. To to really bring that all together, uh, and then of course get recognized for it has been really exciting.
0: Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So now you mentioned that one of the things that you you do most with your clients is you, when you're discussing that you have three elements or components of a successful brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were those three elements?
1: Right. So we've got the visual identity and the messaging. That's really about looking the part, looking authentic to your audience, but also creating messages that resonate with them and represent yourself well in the marketplace. Uh, the second one is finding a way to differentiate yourself, right? There's, in in your industry, there's, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lawyers out there. And so how do you say, you know, my expertise is in this, this, and this, and here's how I'm different from everyone else that does what I do. Um, When you can do that, that's actually one of the biggest things that we like to focus on, because when you do that, you don't really have competition. You become a unique force in that market. And then the third thing is customer experience. And that's, so in the first couple of steps, what you've done is you've created some expectations. You've created... Uh, some marketing messages, you've created a look and feel, you've created some differentiators. Now, are you delivering that experience over and over and over again? And just making sure that your customers, your clients, every step of the way, every time they touch an element of your brand, they feel like they're getting that experience.
0: Your three elements are you have visual identity, unique propositions, and customer experience. Let's talk about that first one, visual identity. Sure. What is it to have successful visual identity? Give me some examples.
1: Okay. Well, I've worked uh, with a couple of law firms. One in particular that's standing out to me right now, we just did some basic consulting. I haven't moved forward on any projects at this point, but uh, one of the things that I noticed going in and talking with with this, this gentleman is that he had had a number of different vendors come in. So this is this is pretty common. I mean, if you go running a business or in a, in a legal practice, I'm sure you get tons of vendors that come in and say, well, we can do you know trade show booths for you. We can do pens and pads of paper for you. We can do all these different branded elements for you got sign companies that want to you know get a sign out front for you guys. You've got people that want to put together brochures and websites and all these different components, right? And so sitting down with him one of the one of the immediate things that we saw uh, as a need was that none of the vendors had really communicated and no one had really coordinated any of these different materials. So while he had a good reputation in the marketplace and he was bringing on a lot of clients, uh, his challenge is that if you looked at like a pen and the sign out front and his website, nothing looked the same. Nothing looked like it came from the same organization. None of the messages were aligned. It was it was very difficult to see that it was all really one firm, and to the, to the point where even the naming was a little bit different, just because the vendors hadn't taken that care to be consistent across these different uh, media.
0: So like you were saying, the, the consistency was a, was a very important thing in the visual identity. And I mm-hmm. think, again, one of the first things that most people think of when they think of a visual identity is a logo. But there's a lot that goes into a logo. Oh,
1: well, there sure is. Um, so when we work with a client, in fact, that's not usually the first thing that we start with. Uh, Usually, we have a step before that where we like to go through uh, different, uh, again, textures, colors, uh, typography, uh, images of existing ideas in the marketplace, images of other brands and and things that are out there, just to get a sense of how something could come together. We call it a mood board or an idea board. Uh, What this does is it gives us sort of an overall picture uh, of inspiration of where this brand needs to go visually, message-wise. It's, it's kind of a, a combination of a brainstorm and something that can't necessarily be directly used in developing that brand, or at least not in like developing an ad or anything like that, but it becomes that central inspiration point for anything that we do after.
0: And I know we could probably do an entire podcast episode it's on, on each of these topics individually, especially colors and fonts, but talk a little bit about how color choice and choice of how even just how the letters look can impact your visual identity? Sure.
1: Well, in design, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that we're always communicating and people read different things into certain colors and into certain typography. So, for example, red is an aggressive color, but it's also a bold color. It's also something that feels like people are going to take action. Uh, blue tends to have a lot more more with trust and intelligence. Uh, that's why you see brands like, uh, I guess, Walmart is, is using blue and and yellow as kind of a, a mix to try to show that they're a trustworthy brand and and get people in the door. Best Buy is another good example where they're showing that they've got you know intelligent electronics uh, and they're a good place to shop for some of those some of those items. So. Colors can say quite a bit. Uh, Typography as well. You know, if you're using sans serif, which is no, you know, little hanging ends off of letters, uh, that tends to be a little bit more modern and show you as a more modern organization. If you've got a serif font, you tend to look a little bit more intelligent and classy. But that can, again, there's a little bit of a two-edged sword there. It just really depends on, again, the attitude that you're trying to project and really the kind of messages that you're trying to Put out into
0: the marketplace. So, when you combine all of these individual components, what are you looking for in a logo, especially for you know smaller companies like a law firm? What are you looking for for success?
1: Sure, we've done everything from just a simple word mark, or maybe uh, you know where it's just a, a simple type set kind of logo where we make some minor modifications to an existing typography or change the kerning, which is the space between the letters to make that kind of flow a little bit cleaner uh, so that it feels like a unified mark. So usually what we'll do is, you know, because you've got, uh, you you don't necessarily want the kind of out there logo that might apply to something like Best Buy or Target or something like that, maybe finding a simple mark or like a, a mark that feels like some of the attitude that you're trying to project. So if it's if you're trying to be a more tech savvy uh, legal practice, then we might look to find some something that cues that in. Maybe that's going to be just a little tight, you know, simple line element or something like that that just feels uh, like it's going to approach that that topic.
0: And of course, because you're, as you were mentioning, you said when you've got a a law firm that had different, you know, you had a pen, you had a sign, you had a car, business card, you had a letterhead. You're looking for something that is. Both going to be consistent across all these mediums, but is also appropriate in a law firm environment. Yes, and I, you know I
1: think that they had a good start, and that's that's where I think that it was it was a great opportunity for us to go in and consult with them. Is that this particular um, law firm had a had been using a tree, and they hadn't really landed on a specific kind of tree or a shape of a tree or anything like that. Not even an illustration that could be consistently used across the board. So they had, I think, pulled a clip art one for their website. And then if you looked at their pens, they had actually used a different clip art uh, for that one. And not that the idea was bad, but to, to try to replicate something like that in a small size was going to be difficult. And we wanted something that because uh, it was very much about uh, estate and, and longevity planning, things like that, uh, we wanted something that just would feel a little bit more uh, maybe hand-drawn or artsy, a, a little bit something, that's, something that projected that sort of craft or handmade attitude. Uh, again, it's kind of like going back to what I said about Target and, and their idea that we want to create something that feels warm and inviting, well, uh, handmade or the idea that it looks handmade is a good way to get some of those ideas across.
0: And of course, the, with the, with any branding, the idea of, of repetition also is not just so that it fits on all these different mediums, but so that when people see it, they connect it.
1: Right. So because consistency is so important, if if your ad and logo looks completely different the second time someone sees it, the third time someone sees it, There's so many messages that people get in a day, in a a week, in an hour even, that uh, there's no way that they're going to connect the dots, that that is all supposed to be one organization. That's why it's so important to be consistent, to represent yourself consistently over a period of time uh, in order to really resonate and connect with that audience.
0: The first important element is a consistent visual identity. The second element, unique propositions. Yeah. How do you establish that in effective branding? A
1: lot of times when we talk with a client, it's about getting to the, to the reason that they're in business in the first place. So I'm trying to think of a good example here. I guess for us for at Satellite 6, one of our biggest points of differentiation is that we want the end result of our of our work for, is for uh, our clients' customers to look at what we've put together and say, wow so we try to get people to understand like get to the wow you know that's that's where our differentiation is you know if your customers aren't saying wow at the end of what we're doing you're not doing we're not doing your job you know we're not doing the job right so we try to use that as one of our one of our differentiators we have several but um, it's finding the points at which we can say you know the guys on down the the street aren't looking at this the same way. Uh, one of the ways that we built our business is that because we had kind of a wide open field in our region where there were a lot of web developers, but not a lot of brand developers. So we were really able to take that brand angle and say, well, we're a company that doesn't just care about putting together your website. We want your brand and your website and your logo and all your different materials to really be coordinated toward one set of messages, toward one major goal. What
0: other kind of ways would you think propose small businesses to establish their unique propositions, especially in a field like law, where in some places you may have, you may be the only game in town, but in a lot of places, especially in most cities, you're running up against a lot of competition that is probably offering a very similar product. Sure. Well,
1: what's your passion? I mean, I would go to where, you know, where your passion lies, what do you love doing, what kinds of things do you want your clients to make sure they know every single time it doesn't just need to be necessarily in your mindset too it could be in in and i'm going to get a little bit into customer experience too but you could differentiate yourself by having a specific package of things that you know every every person that walks in the door gets you could have it be by uh, you know, I don't know if it works the same in a legal firm, but you know, in the hospitality industry, a lot of times we'll say, "Well, let's put together some kind of unique snack something that someone walks in, and that's something that you know you'll start to become known for." Is that oh, okay? I can walk in, and there's cookies that are all always there and always fresh from, you know, whatever local vendor has those for for offering. So it's just finding ways to say we are a premium brand because we're different, and the ways that we different. Are uh, in this experience, in this mindset, in this goal, in this kind of results, and it's going to vary a lot, uh, I'm sure, for, for different industries or different uh, specialities,
0: even within those industries. Uh, but that's something we we work with our clients very closely to get it to. It strikes me as a, an interesting opportunity too for, uh, especially in 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 law, where you're not going to have that much of a differentiation, you'll have different quality attorneys, but, but a lot of law firms are going to serve the same ways. Uh, personalizing well, the lawyer.
1: I mean, if if you're, if you find a way to say, okay, well, uh, yeah, maybe there's, there's 20, 30 other attorneys that, that are in your area that work in, in online legal matters, well, great. But uh, Brian, I think one of the ways that even you're differentiating yourself is that you're doing a podcast and you're doing uh, a blog that now you've had for several years uh, that's showing your expertise in a different way. That's providing some baseline information that gets, gets possible clients interested in what you're doing. That's a great way to show, you know, not only, you know, are you out there and, and doing things, you know, to show that you're a, a quality attorney, uh, but now also you have this great, like, backlog of information that you've been providing uh, for your prospective clients and showing that, you know, I'm different because I know all this stuff and I know how to make all these pieces work together.
0: Well, and I think it's and one of the other, I mean, it's been one of the big reasons why I've advocated to a lot of attorneys to put blogs on their website is that, you know, when people go to that Large reserve of content that you've put out there. Not only do they read about what you know, but they read it in your voice. The authenticity can't be downplayed at all. There, they, you know, having a customer feel like they get to know you without having to meet you well, sure. can be a pretty valuable resource. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on to customer experience, what is in, in when you're advising your clients? How do you advise them? They make customer experience a part of their brand. How is that? How how can you do that?
1: We like to recommend our clients, or to have us go in and start to think like their customers are, right? So, if you're one of our clients' customers, you go into a store, you go into a into their um, into their offices, and what's the kind of experience that, for one, does the client expect them, or does the does our client, you know, the company expect their clients to have? And then, what experience are their customers having? And that's where we try to s- sort of figure out. Between the two of those, where things are falling into place, uh, often what will happen is a company thinks that they're providing a certain kind of experience, but then you go in and you see that eh, maybe there's a couple of things missing here, or maybe you're making a promise that isn't getting delivered in the end. You know, if if you're if you're really all about maybe customer experience for exist uh, uh customer uh I'm sorry, customer service for example. Uh zappos.com is a great um a great example of this because the way they use one of their USPs is their impeccable customer service, right? You
0: can call Zappos anytime and they're gonna take care of you. They've got that reputation. I well, think I think the best one that my my wife would attest to is that you can also return shoes for what seems like an eternity.
1: Yeah. Well <laughs> right. And so they they create these expectations in their USP. Uh, and in their messaging, but then when it comes to the experience, they follow through. Um, Not only is it really easy, it's probably easier than most people think to deal with Zappos. And not only that, but they have a great follow-up program to make sure that you're, in the end, you're happy with what, what the outcome is. So for us, it's going in and saying, okay, well, if your brand is supposed to be about customer experience. What or customer service? I'm sorry. What? Uh, what's? Where what are the points along this line that you're providing that that customer service that they can't get down the street, and providing that customer service that they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I'm going to go tell my friends about how how great that was. Sometimes what we'll do also is work with our our customers to uh, do surveys and find out how their customers are feeling about certain aspects of their experience. Uh, That can be another great way to say, okay, well, here's maybe where something needs some improvement or here's what your customers are saying about, you know, going through this service or purchasing this product. And this gives us some very great information about how uh, that experience can be improved.
0: And I want to highlight that what you just mentioned for a second. There was a, there was an, one of the blogs that I follow is uh, the Lawyerist, and they were writing about uh, I'm blanking on the exact topic, but it was, it was something along the lines of do your customers or your clients think they are getting you know great legal service? Are mm-hmm. you providing Are you providing your legal services really well? And and the article described said all lawyers would say that they were providing impeccable service, but the customer survey is something that is, I guarantee you, most lawyers would hear that and would immediately dismiss it out of hand because mm-hmm. it's something that they they think doesn't apply to them because partially, well, no, this is a, a law firm. We're not going to, we're not going to do something that you would see on, you know, whatever, some web advertisement. And the other part of that is because lawyers do have an inflated, I think, belief of how well we provide service to our individual clients. I think that's that establishing what you're, customers think about you to demonstrate up or to at least improve your customer experience brand is something that most law firms could probably use
1: hey you know it's it's a it's a smart guy thing you know when you when you're a very intelligent person it's easy to think like oh i've got all my bases covered i've i've dotted you know dotted the i's and crossed the t's and everything is is a-okay everyone in business has a line spot, and that's where doing some basic customer surveys, uh, asking follow-up questions, uh, whether that's you or whether that's someone that you specifically have in your office for business development, uh, marketing, some of those functions, That's that's that information is invaluable because it's really easy to see things from your point of view, but it's not so easy to see, no matter how smart you are, uh, how your customer feels at the end of that experience, and then to, to figure out where along the way they got that feeling.
0: All right, we're talking about branding and branding for law firms with uh, Ben Strawinski, owner of Satellite Six Studios, a nationally recognized brand marketing company. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can really help us out by heading over to iTunes, look up the Cyber Advocates Legal Technology Review. Go ahead and leave us a rating and review. We appreciate it. It would really help us out. And if you'd like, go ahead and leave your Twitter handle. That way we'll be able to thank you for taking the time. All right, we're back discussing brand marketing with Ben Strawinski of Satellite 6 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Ben, we've we've discussed your uh, three essential elements of effective brand marketing, visual identity, unique propositions, and customer experience. Mm-hmm what are three things that law firms could start doing immediately to improve on their brand? Sure.
1: Number one is I do uh, an audit of your materials, right? So pull everything that you have that is customer facing. That could be again, promotional items like your, your pens and pads or uh, maybe you give away like books or things like that. Pull that all together. Look at your signage, look at your, uh, what your lobby area looks like anywhere that's facing a customer get that together, and just put it up on a wall or put it on a table and start looking at it. Uh, get a sense of, hey, does this all kind of look like it coordinates together or does this kind of feel like it's a hodgepodge of we had one vendor do this and they didn't really see what we did over here so it's not really linking up. That's a great way to, to get a good sense if you've got the start of a visual identity or if things are really just kind of all out of whack. Now, the second thing that I would suggest is... Uh, just again think about your background a little bit right and and know you know that yeah there's there's probably other attorneys out doing the same thing that you're doing but what can you do that they're not doing or what can you jump ahead you know that maybe People are talking about in legal communities, doing in other cities, but isn't being done in your sales area, your your service area, right? And that, and that uh, could
0: that could be a number of things too. That doesn't just have to be a practice area. That could be a lot of firms are adopting different technological, uh, you know, advances, automating things, or even sure. uh, even a different pricing structure instead of hourly going to f- flat fee. It doesn't have to be just a new practice area. It could be any benefit that you provide that's
1: that's not being offered. At, at again, your major competitors, right? It could be an online portal to access certain documents. It could be uh, maybe uh, some sort of customer area that they can log into and and make payments or find out information about their about their case status or something like that. Uh, it could be you know when they walk in, there's certain things that that happen or at that first appointment certain information or certain materials that you provide that no one else is going out of their way to give to their customers that sort of differentiation can really help uh, help elevate your brand uh, above anyone else in your marketplace And then lastly I'd, I'd start brainstorming a survey I'd start like if you feel like things are going well uh, and and like great I don't need any more clients well that's that's fine but I think everyone you know, would most most customers that I talk to want to grow their business so they feel yeah, like they've got to a certain usually, point. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a matter of kind of just seeing what their customers think, what uh, what is of value to their customers, and what their takeaways have been, right? Um, and a, and just a basic survey is a great way to do that.
0: That's going to be our show today, Legal Technology Review. We want to thank our guest, Mr. Ben Zorwinski, of Satellite 6 Studios in eau claire wisconsin for information on how you can possibly obtain additional expertise from satellite six or from ben directly uh, you can go to the cyberadvocate.com and all of his information will be right on there thank you for uh thank you for joining us today ben thanks for having me brian all right